Hello everyone, I'm Roy Matur, an author and podcaster, and you're listening to Captain Roy's Rusty Rocket Radio Show, the UK geek science fiction, fantasy and horror podcast. This is episode 521, taped on Tuesday the 23rd of January 2024 at 22.51.15. Yes, hello. It is time for another Geek Life update. Just a tiny little reminder here. I do two types of episode. Either a single topic feature, where I just talk about one thing. Uh, For example, those classic Doctor Who revisits, or those Hammer House of Horror revisits I'm still doing in order of broadcast. Or, like this one, a multi-topic, meandering zine-style show. A veritable fistful of nerd, if you will. This is also another one of my <laughs> infamous second tapings. You see, last night I tried this and it was awful. Thanks to my bizarre delivery of content brought on by exhaustion and general annoyance and demeanour and possibly madness. Tonight... My friends, we are gathered here today, no, not to celebrate a wedding, but just to talk about geek stuff. I was hesitant in starting because it sounded like the long goods train that sometimes you can hear in the distance was rumbling outside. I waited and waited and waited. I don't think... That is the case. I think it's yet another storm. It sounds incredibly windy out there. There is distant traffic, but the main source of sound seems to be that wind. I can hear it even through my headphones. I hope that I manage to filter most of that out so it's not annoying for you to listen to. As I said, this is a bit of a meandering style of pod. It is, in fact, how this podcast started. I would talk about anything geek that interested me. Those things were predominantly geek entertainment, science fiction, fantasy and horror in all its forms, but also included little snippets on tech and life in general. As I have said, last at least decade, I'm trying to pare down the irrelevancies in these episodes. We do stray a bit, but hopefully there'll be things of interest. Okay, let us start the show then. The first topic is a thing familiar to us geeks, and that is buying stuff online. And also, some geeks who are into books like to buy a lot of second-hand stuff. 
I'm no exception. I prefer buying second-hand books to new ones because that way you're less precious about them and you'll actually read them without worrying that you might slightly wear the cover of something that's quite old. You're not going to worry as much if it is older. You would worry if it's brand spanking new. And yeah, I buy second-hand books. I'm selective about them. I don't buy them in bulk, but I do buy them to enjoy them. Uh, same for comics. Well, anything from publishing and also other media, which we will talk about a bit later. Anyway, the point is, I ordered this science fiction book uh, several weeks ago from a place of business <laughs> that was less than a kilometre away. <laughs> yeah. And it never arrived. I have ordered books from different continents before without this problem. So why is it that when you buy something locally... <laughs> well, okay. I was going to go into a tirade of uh, criticising my own country, which is what I do quite often, because I get so irritated by the way we do things here. Oh, you just have to live with it, I suppose. Never mind. I saw this book online, I thought, oh, I'd have that. The price is okay. It's not a bargain, but it's a good price. And I'd be supporting a local business. As a geek, those things are important to me, because I worry that businesses need our business. How many times do I say business now? You know what I mean. We've seen years of cuts. Toys R Us are gone. It's just a declining level of retail all round, not just in the geek sphere. And yeah, I thought I'd bought a local business and it was a complete waste of time. They did get back to me in the end, finally, and gave me a refund. The book in question, though, I'm not going to reveal. I don't think it's a good idea to reveal my geek purchases until they're fulfilled, in case I drive up the price. I know I'm just a minor fish in a huge sea of sharks. I have no illusions that I've got a million visitors to my blog or my podcast, but I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. And besides, suppose it's a rare book and there's only one left in stock anywhere in the country and someone else buys it after listening to this. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, God. I had to trail off there because there was a tuned car in the background, I think. I think that was a motorcycle. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Books. I tend to buy them when I want to flip through them rather than like a collector. Oh, I could go on a rant about geek collectors as well. How annoying is that? There is another podcast I listen to and... Oh, rarely now. They don't half go on about buying stuff. And then you get into that 
FOMO situation. And that sucks the joy out of geekdom. I don't always need a complete set of something. Sometimes I just want one thing. Case in point, for Lego minifigs, I always wanted some kind of little figure, statue, figurine, something, of Kermit the Frog with his banjo. Partly because I saw that clip online of him playing the Rainbow Connection. And as a banjo layerist, not a banjoist, banjoist? Anyway, doesn't matter. It reminded me of myself <laughs> strumming along in the woods. Not that I strum along in the woods, I strum along in my TARDIS. My, sorry, study. Oh, Hoovian. Oh, we are straying already. Ah, uh, yeah. This is not in the show notes, but as I mentioned Doctor Who, and there is very little Doctor Who in this episode, if any, I have had my Doctor Who-ish scarf repaired. It is ridiculously long. It is probably longer than Tom Baker's. The only thing left to do is for me to sew on some tassels at the end. <laughs> tassels. <laughs> I don't know. Why is that funny? <sighs> For a moment I just felt like some kind of, I don't know, Las Vegas stripper. <laughs> Tassels to my scarf. Ah, uh, yeah. Ah. Oh. And if you could see me, that would feature in the show. Well, not right now, not wearing it, but you know what I mean. We have spent too long on this book that never arrived. So let's move on to some books that did arrive quite some time back. Comic books, in fact, and I have since read. We haven't done that for ages. In fact, we haven't really talked about the written word much, and we are going to do that tonight. Let us start off with The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn, and also its companion book sequel, Red Rackham's Treasure. At long last, I have finally managed to re-re-re-re-re-read these beloved classic comic books by Hershey. Real name, Georges Rosper Remy. The checkered background of the author is well documented and is most prevalent in colonialist racist caricatures like those in Tintin the Congo, there are others. That seems less evident in these two books, though not completely missing, because there is the inclusion of a black man in a wildly varied group of white opportunistic imposters, and he's there because, hey, even this guy who isn't white thinks he can pretend to be the ancestor of a white man. Whew. There's also a racist quip or two, and the off-panel gutting of a shark. That aside, the one story spread across these two books explained Captain Haddock's ancestry and how the humble, alcoholic sailor inherits his fortune. Given that Captain Haddock is one of my favourite characters, yeah... These were the two books that I wanted from 
the entire collection of Hergé's Tintin. I have, of course, at this point, read them all the way through, all of them, multiple times. They were the sort of books that I'd read when I was sick in bed. They're on the whole very entertaining books. In this story, we join our friends and heroes, Tintin, Snowy, and Captain Haddock, on a convoluted, complicated, hazardous hunt for hidden treasure that involves pirates, crooks, fraudsters, multiple cranial contusions, booze, fighting, firearms accidents, and Thompson and Thompson forever having to be rescued from their own hats. Yes, that is a thing, that is a feature of the Tintin comics. <laughs> oh, when you read it on the page, it's mildly amusing, you know, seeing those panels with the Thompson twins stuck into their own hats. But when you say it aloud, it sounds absolutely hilarious. We are also introduced to the brilliant but hearing-challenged Professor Cuthbert Calculus, and Nestor the butler, and, of course, not a person, but a thing, but a thing that features heavily in Tintin, Marlon Spike, the ancestral seat of the Haddock family. If you like Wes Anderson movies, like The French Dispatch, or Jean-Henri Gaston Jorot's Mobius, uh, one of those famous French science fiction artists and writers, featured predominantly in magazines like Metal Hulot, of course known over here as Heavy Metal, you will be very, very familiar with a distinct, clear, bold, and deliciously colourful art style in the Tintin books. It was developed by Hergé and is called Lynn Claire. Clear Line. It is a beautiful way of illustrating. It's very clear, very satisfying. It's like a box of Belgian chocolates, in fact. The pages in these two books and all the Tintin books are heavy with mostly multiple panels and a few delightful large illustrations. The one I remember last seeing is the big panel on the last page of the second book, showing an exhibition at Marlin Spike with our happy heroes. And that panel has some nice depth. You've heard me talk about my enjoyment of deep depth of focus, which is the opposite of shallow depth of field. This is that, in comic art form. If the look of that style of art and those amusing and happy ending stories appeals to you, my suggestion is you go to the source and crack open a Tintin or two, if by some miracle you haven't already, because I'm probably speaking to the converted, even if you're not particularly a geek, these comics, the translations from French, 
are prevalent in the whole of the Anglosphere, and if you're from the Francophone parts of the world, you've read these comics in their original language. So probably everyone knows about these, and there has been uh, a couple of animated films, and there was also that slightly uncanny valley more recent animation that we've talked about on this part. I can't remember in what episode, but we've talked about Tintin quite a bit. As I said, it is a source and inspiration of many other artists to this day. Ah, it's a great look. I can't recommend those two books enough. And those were The Adventures of Tintin, The Secret of the Unicorn, The Adventures of Tintin, Red Rackham's Treasure. And now I'm going to have to hit pause for a moment. I have not been doing that as much as I should, instead relying on this standing stick, walking stick, to prop me up. But I think it would be better if I just moved around a bit, so back in a sec. I'm back. It's lucky I'm wearing my cans today. When I first attempted to record this yesterday, I wasn't, and when I plugged in my cans tonight, just before taping this, there was this... It's like weird, staticky, coily, whiny sound. It wasn't a coil whine. I don't know if it was static or something. But every now and then, for... 3.5 millimeter analog cable that goes out from my computer to the mixer emits this sound and the only way to get rid of it is to have you tried unplugging it and plugging it in again yes that works i've also had similar trouble with my usb hubs find that they start to slow down or not work and I thought I needed new hubs but no just needed to unplug and plug them in again weird electrical stuff isn't it <laughs> let us move on from Tintin to Starblazer have you ever wondered who wrote those commando sized small format science fiction comic book adventures from the 70s by the company D.C. Thompson, very famous Scottish publisher. And by the way, D.C. Thompson, well, was formed in 1905 by David Cooper Thompson in Dundee, Scotland. They publish a lot of stuff, but most familiar to me are the Beano and the Dandy, which I read for... <laughs> Quite a while. I started when I was... Oh my god, I don't know. Seven, maybe? Anyway, not important. Back to Starblazer. Yeah, me too. I've wondered about who wrote those, who drew them. I've found this interview over at downthetubes.net where they talked to a chap called Ray 
Aspden, who was one of a cadre of freelancers paid to trot out sparse, gadget-laden boys' own adventures in space. They did the same with artists. I think they had a revolving crew of artists. I don't believe anyone was on staff, apart from the businessmen and the editors. Anyway, that does shed the light on at least one of the writers. Also in this article, he, the writer, believed that comics should be dense of text. (laughs) Now look, we're all comic aficionados here, so we know that that's not true. Comics are not books. Comics are their own art form. They are a wonderful melding of image and word. There are exceptions, but that's a general rule. Comics are not books. So I think he was mistaken in that belief. And looking at the end product, which are fairly excellent results, his editor did a good job of paring them down. There's a lesson here for us writers, and that is don't be too precious and listen to criticism. Don't be bullied by criticism, but listen to it. It might actually have a point. As a newspaper freelancer, I once had an editor. It can chaff, but you grow with a bit of gentle editing. Which also reminds me that this week, one of my tasks, one of my resolutions as well, was to start re-editing my novel, The Horus Box. It is Tuesday, haven't done that yet. Put that on the to-do list, Roy. That was me talking about Starblazer. <laughs> Let me talk about something else. I'm going to stray a bit here. Still, the written word. I did warn you I would. Stray, that is. This time, newspapers. Uh, neat segue, because I was talking myself as a journalist, and now we're talking about newspapers. I have trialled since talking about this on the pod as a way of improving my life obtaining my news once weekly only from a newspaper. The trial consisted of me reading the family's out-of-date Daily Mirror, Metro, and I. That was in preparation for embarking on my own plan to buy The Observer, which only comes out on Sunday. I said that that's what I was going to do in pod 518, And now I'm here to report to you the results. It was a disaster. (laughs) Even skim reading kicked me right in the teeth with just so much bad news that I thought my head would explode. So I'm not going to be doing that. I've got to think of something else. I still want to be in touch with what happens, but maybe not to that extent. And like I have said before... If something really untoward happens, like alien invasion, the government can always use the early warning system that they have to contact us all on mobile phone. A film I watched since the last time we did one of these multi-topic zines. The only film I watched 
was not science fiction fantasy and horror, it was The Good Liar, in which a romancing, scamming, rotter and ruthless con man, Ian McKellen, gets more than he bargained for when he tangles with Helen Mirren in this 2019 film. Both those people are actors I really like. I found this film intriguing, nasty, depressing, unpleasant, and ultimately horrific in that order. And that's a thriller called The Good Liar. On to solidly geek ground with Invincible. I was getting stuck into Invincible Season 2, Superhero, Alien, Insect, Sibling, and all, when suddenly, paf, what the hell happened? I was waiting for the next episode and nothing. I have read since in the Radio Times Online that the second half isn't due until vaguely early 2024, so I'm guessing not long now, but yeah, it did go off and have a little lie down. That is Invincible. Next for All Mankind, Season 4 is finished. With the Martian revolutionaries winning, their families joining them, and a mining station on Goldilocks by 2012. In the non-alternate universe, in our universe, right here, right now, in real life, NASA has delayed the Artemis moon missions to at least 2026, so we won't be seeing people on even the moon until at least 2026, probably later. What a complete faff, man. Ah, oh, how real life disappoints us. I'm betting that there will be a season five because this seems like a very popular show. At least I think it is. It is with me. One thing that I don't like, and I'm not saying that just to be one of those critics that can't find happiness in anything and has to nitpick. This is actually something that really, really bothers me. Please improve hair and makeup. Hair, especially. What the hell is going on with hair? I get that the cast ages substantially in each new season, but you've spent all this money on effects and all this expensive stuff. How the hell can you not get something like hair right? I mean, throughout the seasons. <laughs> hair and wigs and beards have been fairly awful. There was one character who went bald in one of the seasons, and you could quite clearly see his bald cap covering his real hair underneath. What a fiasco. Apart from the hair, For All Mankind is really good. Mr. Robot. I have been re-watching Mr. Robot, just for fun. Not to review, not to talk about on here, apart from in these couple of lines. It is a techno-thriller from the USA Network that ran from 2015 to 2019. The series is about anarchic hackers taking down the system. Even the voiceover works. It's very expositional, something I usually hate, but it was okay in the 
first theatrical release of Blade Runner, and it works even better here, helped largely by Rami Malek's subtle natural expressions. And man, B.D. Wong, what a scary guy. (laughs) The show is occasionally derivative, admitted by the creator, Sam Ismail. There's a lot of The Matrix in it and Fight Club. Well, the basic plot is Fight Club, and the whole Matrixy thing, look at the tinting of the film, it's got that greenish tinge a lot of the time. There's a fetishization of analogue landline phones, and even the protagonist's name. Alderson, instead of Mr. Anderson. There is only a single episode in the whole series that I don't like as much as the others, and that's pretty good going for four seasons. Eventually it got cancelled, but it ended in the right place, so you can safely box set it knowing that you're going to get the whole story. It is the best fictional representation of hackers on screen to date. Screw you, Evil Corp which could be any large, overly wealthy corporation. Thought I'd throw that in there. (laughs) But back to the hackers thing, yeah. I have been looking closely at the screen whenever there's something that Elliot Alderson is doing regarding hacking to see if that code looks right. Well, I don't know all the code. I'm only a scripter, but the things that I've seen look pretty damn right to me. That's using Raspberry Pis, and there's a whole plot where they use a Raspberry Pi to change the climate control of a building to make it too warm and to make it destroy tapes. I have no idea if that will work. My guess is not. But we've seen wilder things in criminal hacking. As a non-criminal hacker, I should point out, like a lot of us are, hacking, playing around with code, playing around with hardware... I am fascinated by the show. It did make me pick up the Red Book again. Not Red Book, Red Team Book. Ah, you know, RTFM. (laughs) The Red Team Field Manual. Childish sense of humour. And also uh, lovingly caress some of my other tech books, which... If you're a techie, you'll have heard of, especially if you're a UK geeky techie. There is the Green Book, also, that I love. I've got two copies of that. I gave one to my mum, and I've got another copy myself. The Green Book is by Clifford Mould, a guy who I would like to say, thanks for that book. That was a really good book. It's a simple non-expert's guide to Unix. I'm straying from the point. Mr. Robot is great. Let us move on to the Lord of the Rings, the Rings of Power. After a conversation recently with a friend and some further research, I have found out that Galadriel was a warrior in the Silmarillion. So ignore everything I said 
on the podcast in the past about what annoyed me about her characterization in The Rings of Power. Ah, oh, sometimes I make mistakes. And at least I address them in the podcast. I don't brush them over, I don't pretend they didn't happen. Yep, I made a mistake. I was, until it finished the season one, enjoying it. Season two will be around sometime this year. So roll on season two of The Rings of Power. Moving on to another TV show. This time, not particularly geeky. I suppose it's a crime drama called True Love, in which a bunch of oldies make a suicide pact. And this is a 2023 Beeb drama. It stars Lindsay Duncan, who I really like, but I can't understand the main core of this show. I can't understand why one of her friends demands to be murdered when he could have just as easily popped pills after his botched self-hanging in which he tries to hang himself and <laughs> a roof beam falls down. I've seen that gag so many times as well. Stop using it. Pills certainly would have been an easier out for him than a bag over the head, which was quite terrifying and horrible. True love, illogical, and too grim for Roy. Moving on to... Not another show, but something about the UK shop Game. As their name suggests, it is a shop that sells video games and accessories. And my particular local game has a setup for people to play each other. They have computers set up there. Game are giving up selling secondhand games while CEX has no such plans. And what's even more ironic about that is that my local game is right next to CEX. So that will add insult to injury. Imagine that. You're just giving up your business to a competitor, and that competitor's premises is right next to yours. <laughs> What an interesting business decision. This has been reported all over the news. I tend to not do news in this podcast, but it was so interesting I thought I'd include it here. Moving on to something else. I told you at the top of the show about buying secondhand books. I also like buying music. In fact, I'm staring at my record player that we bought over Christmas to listen to family records that we buy cheaply. We don't buy anything collectible, just buy interesting things that we never had a chance to listen to. I am looking at, as we speak, behind my Audio-Technica LP3, that's a record player we bought, Gilbert and Sullivan's The Pirates of Panzance. <laughs> it's that level of stuff. I've got an Elvis collection album as well. It's nothing particularly valuable, it's just nice playing these things. And there's a stack in the garage as well. And now I've completely lost my place. Yeah, I'm going to talk about buying music, in this case Motorhead and Hawkwind. I recently bought The Best of Motorhead, 
and Hawkwind's box set Epoch Eclipse 30 Year Anthology. They have arrived, they have been tested, they are excellent. Of course, Motorhead stems from Hawkwind after Lemmy left as a roadie and a bassist and the performer of Silver Machine and General Troublemaker. Hawkwind, with their long association with cult science fiction and fantasy author Michael Moorcock, embody space rock, which is something I love. They are probably the originator of that genre, maybe. Maybe there's someone else, not sure. Albeit, sometimes with tongue firmly rammed up cheeks. Which you'll know if you listen to the lyrics of Silver Machine or Needle Gun. What a bunch of children. Well, they were pretty young at the time. I also bought... But I've already talked about this one on the podcast, Jeff Wayne's War of the World, because I never had a copy of it. I haven't yet listened to that all the way through. I mean, I've listened to it years and years ago, but I haven't listened to my own CD box set. It is great that physical media is so unpopular right now, because I can nab all this stuff before streaming goes away. My advice... Get your stuff on physical media. If you're worried about cluttering up your place, don't be, because at some stage, even the stuff that you don't like will be worth something. If you've got the space, invest in physical media. Start off with the stuff that you absolutely adore. If you've already got stuff from years ago, don't sweat it. Eventually it'll be worth something, even if you don't like it anymore. Yes, I am waiting for the streaming apocalypse to happen. It's sort of happening with ads on some services, even if you pay for the service. Uh, Something unpleasant is going on in that world, and it is time for digital prepping. (laughs) I'm going to take another little break. And then I'll be back in a sec. Okay, we're on the final leg of the show. Let us move on to things that I use to bring you this podcast and also to expand how I talk to you. And one of those things is looking into... YouTube, specifically live streaming, I did a little test. It was a complete failure on all fronts. For a start, I don't have enough subscribers. That means I think you can use streaming privately, but you can't stream to an audience. As well as that, my webcams, I own two. Even the fancy but old Logitech with the Zeiss lens is incredibly laggy, no matter what you do with light. So please don't get in touch and tell me, you need more light. Well, I've tried everything. And even the light of a million suns won't help. I ended up with less than 40 seconds. It was around 37 seconds of video. 
the video would not finish processing, even after hours and hours, and there was no sound. It was a disaster. <laughs> I decided then to try Skype, and I found Skype's phone app, after many updates, offers split-screen and also built-in video recording. It is a much better solution for creating YouTube-style group chats that you can later upload to YouTube, though of course not live chat streaming. I also tried using my phone, and in fact, local solo selfie videos straight from my Samsung A14 phone work well, but amazingly not as well as doing it remotely via Skype. I suspect the reason for that is that Skype is using some cloud server processing to make the video and the sound better, because it certainly sounds better over Skype than it does just straight from my phone's microphone. Okay, on from YouTube to Blue Sky. I'm on most social media platforms, mainly as a protection from identity theft, because I'm all over the internet, and it is very easy for someone to go onto a platform that I don't use and claim to be me. The latest platforms that I joined are TikTok, some time ago. On TikTok, <laughs> I'm at Roy the Wiz. And on Blue Sky, I'm at RoyMatur.bsky.social. Like I said, I'm only there to protect myself from fraud. I don't send updates on them anymore. I did try TikTok for a moment. I got a bit fed up of the watermarking. Just don't hit me up on any of those platforms, because you probably won't get a response. I'm not ignoring you, it's just that I don't use them. That doesn't mean that I don't want to hear from you, I would still love to hear from you, and you can guarantee a response if you contact me by email. Do you remember email? That thing that they used to have in the 2000s, or a bit before that? Perhaps the 80s, perhaps even the 70s, can't remember when email was invented. Do you remember email? On to Vivaldi. Browser-wise, I tried Vivaldi again. I'm always trying new browsers because I browse a lot. The experience was made smoother this time by some speed hacks over at Windows Report, but a few days later, even with those hacks, it's slow again. And so I'm back to using Firefox. I say that with regret, as a Netscape, Netscape Communicator, Mozilla, Mozilla Internet Suite, SeaMonkey, Firefox, Thunderbird, Composer, User, I am sad. I'm sad at the ugly interface changes on Firefox, I'm sad at its reduced functionality, but I'm back to using it. I just threw my hands up in the air. <laughs> and they fell to my waist. That was what that sound was. Just resignation. I do, however, use downgraded versions of SeaMonkey to read RSS to check my podcast feed. And Thunderbird as well for mail. 
because it's the Eaton's is the best way to back it up. But as I said, they're downgraded versions. I can't remember what drove me to do that, but it's usually an interface change or some annoying bug. Firefox, on the other hand, I don't have any choice. I need to stay up to date because of security. Ah, yeah. So the Vivaldi diversion was not a success. Which is a pity, because I used to like Opera. Still talking about things ending in Zilla? FileZilla! I went over to WinSCP for a few days recently because I was just sick to death of the FileZilla process, never shutting down when you exit the program. FileZilla popular FTP program. However, version 3.66.4 seems to solve that issue. Who knows whether a future update will break it again, but for now it's working. That's FileZilla. Works fine. At long last. Time to correct some more errors and omissions, this time microphone errors and omissions. In 518, I didn't tell you I was using a Shure SM58 microphone, because if you remember back to, I don't know when I started saying what microphone I was using in each episode. I'm not going to do that anymore, because <laughs> it's annoying. I will tell you though, since 519, I've gone back to the Shure SM7B. That's what I'm speaking on right now. In the distant past, I said, I can't remember where I said this, heard this or read this in my show notes for a previous podcast. And if I haven't corrected this, I'm correcting it now. That plug-in power on a solid-state recorder isn't phantom power. Well, I was right about that. It isn't. What I was wrong about was saying it does boost dynamic mics. It doesn't. Plug-in power is around 5 volts specifically for use in some small condenser mics like lavaliers. Sorry I led you astray and on to headphones. Man, saying that, I forgot to wear my own headphones. I'll just wait a second, put them on. Just check there aren't any weird noises coming through on the mic. No, it seems okay. Do you remember some time ago I put out the call to recommend a small set of on-ear Walkman-like headphones to replace my JVC H160s? Since then, I've built my own. Yes, I've DIY'd it from the cost... KSC 75 ear hook type headphones, they hook over your ears, which I blended with a metal band from a very cheap pair of headphones, the AV colon link headphones that I bought from Amazon, and by the way, were dead on arrival, even though they were sealed in a blister pack, but it didn't matter because I wasn't using the drivers, I was just using the band. In other words, I have drank the Custom Cans Kool-Aid. This is a mod that lots of people online have done. What is the result? Yeah, they sound good, but the cable is microphonic. Koss liked my tweet because, like 
Ford Prefect and other denizens somewhere in the vicinity of Beetlejuice, they don't get mild sarcasm. Huh. But I do have a pair of Walkman-like headphones now, for however long they last. Just a tip, if you're going to do a mod like this, where you have to pull apart plastic attached by some joint and then join it to another plastic male-female sort of thing with a friction fit. Sounds very... Oh, I'm not going to go there. You need lubric... Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not doing this on purpose. I bought some silicon lubricant to ease that process to make sure that I didn't damage any of the components. Incredibly useful. Just look up plastic lubricant. On to health. I'm walking to get more mobile and to reduce my blood pressure after it spiked following the chest infection. How do I know it spiked? Well, I'm using a blood pressure monitor and Google Fit to measure my progress. Oh, well, measure my decline and also measure my progress. If you're an aging geek, get a blood pressure monitor. Get a set of scales. I don't have scales. I intend getting them. Perhaps tomorrow. Finally, this has absolutely nothing to do with geek, apart from the fact that it's affecting the life of the geek you're listening to right now, and that is plumbing. We finally got a plumber. Although, in the last few weeks, our fence blew down as well. <laughs> That's another thing we've got to deal with. But back to the plumber. I can't say having the plumber was a pleasant experience, it wasn't, but happily the mind-destroying rattling has gone from my room. We do have this underlying thrumming when the <laughs> tank pump activates. I think that's common to all systems. Oh dear, I had to pause for a moment, there was some... <laughs> External noise. Hopefully that's gone. But we're near the end anyway. What was I talking about? Oh yeah, the plumbing, yeah, it seems to be solved. On the other hand, we also received a huge bill from Ovo Energy. So I'd like to thank Ovo Energy for that incredible bill. Bravo. If anyone else, apart from me... Sleeps in a bedroom with a hot water tank cupboard. You have my sympathies. Architects. Hello. Are you listening? Hello. Yes, you over there. Stop designing houses like this, you twits. And that is it. <laughs> Was it all right tonight? Was my second attempt at podcasting bearable? I hope so. I know that I have a non-linear mind that jumps around and even I don't understand it and I'm currently wearing out a shrink, but let's not go into that. Let me know what you think. Oh, and by the way, forgot about this, the plumbing thing. Yeah, it is slightly relevant 
because it does mean that I can now attempt to podcast from my room, which I have done in the past with mixed results, not just because of the plumbing, but because of noise in general. But it is nice to have another option. Maybe I'll try that. Like I said, in the studio, I'm using this Shure SM7B. When I'm static, though not in the studio, I'll probably use my SM58. And when I'm completely mobile and out there and, I was going to say, out to lunch. <laughs> All the subjects are getting muddled up at the end. You see what I mean? I've still got my Audio-Technica 875R. Oh, Sometimes I do like talking about mics a little too much, and not to forget the Behringer XM8500 that incredibly improved the sound on this podcast. Ah, oh, yes. That pair of little black mics in the box somewhere now. Not forgotten, though. I did start off doing this podcast on an iPhone, though. So... Don't think that you need to splurge to get... Uh, an acceptable sound. Because the more podcasts, the better. I'm actually subscribed to 347 podcasts. Yes, I don't listen to every episode of every one of them. But that is quite a lot. And that's after unsubscribing from some. Podcasts are great. So I'd encourage you, especially if you're a geek in the UK, especially if you are a female geek in the UK, or you're not a white geek, we need more shows like yours. So, get recording. And that is it. Where did all this extra waffle come from? I'm sorry about that. It's time to say goodbye. You can find me at roymator.com. Please review, rate, support and recommend the show to a friend or mortal enemy. The time at the end of the show is... Well, it's past midnight now, it's Wednesday. 00-02-58. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye!